0: Welcome to the Chaya Podcast, a sacred platform where Jewish-Iranian changemakers turn taboo topics into transformational opportunities for the community. I'm your hostess, Nicole Napovar, a licensed psychotherapist with a private practice in Century City. And I'm also the co-founder of Chaya, a community of intimate gatherings for Jewish-Iranians to experience meaningful connection and deepen their sense of self. The intention of this podcast is to support our listeners' evolution by challenging the rules our parents and community want for us in order to have their definition of the best life. Instead, let's decide from a more conscious place in our souls which practices we want to keep, which ones we want to let go of, and how we can own those decisions with grace so that we can thrive in more fulfilling and authentic lives. This is the Chaya Podcast, and I'm your hostess, Nicole Napper. Welcome, man. We are so excited today to have Arya Marvazi join us. He is a very close family friend of mine since we were very much young in and now we are semi-adults and doing some badass things and I'm so excited to have him here today. Arya earned his BA in psychology at UC San Diego and a master's in organizational behavior from NYU. In 2015, he returned to LA after 10 years between San Diego, Tel Aviv, and DC, and encouraged by his ability to fully come out as a gay man to his family. Soon after, Arya began a body of work he had dreamt of advocating for the full equality of LGBTQ plus people and Community. 12 years into his nonprofit career, he currently serves as the managing director of JQ and LGBTQ plus and Jewish organization focused on education, outreach and support in service of inclusion and equality for all. In 2017, Arya launched the JQ Persian Pride Fellowship, an interfaith LGBTQ+, and ally initiative training, the next generation of leaders. His dedication to the Jewish and LGBTQ plus communities earned him a spot on LA Jewish Journal's 30 under 30 list, Iran wires 50 Iranian Americans you should know, and most recently, the 2019 J Pro Young Professional Award. So Arya, I am so Excited to have you here. Thank you so much for joining us.
1: (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. I feel like I should take you around with me for this intro wherever I am. I'll feel so good about myself. (laughs) Pop
0: out on your dates and just be like, yo,
1: (laughs) she'll give you the intro. Talk
0: for a minute. (laughs) Um, Love it. Thank
1: you, Nick, for having me.
0: My pleasure. I wanted to just kind of dive into the topic with you today of um, LGBTQ in a number of ways, but would love to just start out with hearing about your story and your journey with sort of coming out.
1: Amazing. Thank you. I I guess the story could be, you know, three hours long on its own. <laughs> so the, the much abridged version is like many of our Chaya fam, at least those in LA, I grew up in a really rich Persian rich fabric of Persian Jewish life, Valley Kid, and very proud of it. (laughs) And I I think I, I really always knew that family came first from a very young age and felt that to my core. So it was interesting as it related to understanding myself as a gay person that everywhere that I looked amongst my family and in my community, Be that, you know, 50, 60 people at a Shabbat dinner or 200, 300 at a bar mitzvah or five or 600 at a wedding, I could never find someone that might resemble what my future would look like. Mm -hmm. And the the hardest thing was trying to consider that I don't know anyone who is gay and out and living, you know, healthily Mm -hmm. amongst friends and family. And it makes me feel like my future is impossible. And I I held that idea for a very long time, I think well through middle school, high school, um, and into college. And I remember a point in college where, as with many LGBTQ people, like we have to sort of self-soothe. And when no one knows, when you have not broke the seal and told anyone, Mm -hmm. it's just this endless internal dialogue. And I remember talking to myself and saying, you are not a liar. You are not inauthentic. You are not faking people out because you mm. haven't shared yet. You just simply have not shared yourself fully. Mm. And that was my way of telling myself like I am still actually happy about parts of my life. I am still enjoying major parts of my life. Like there is a deep, dark and very difficult struggle in this closet and I want to compartmentalize it, you know? That's mm-hmm. that was sort of what I was doing especially in my first Couple of years uh, in undergrad at UC San Diego. And the story goes that after I had graduated, at that time I began this journey of working in the nonprofit Jewish world, um, which I'm so proud to still be in. A.E. A. Pi, the Jewish fraternity, a brother in my fraternity, another Persian Jew, Ryan Darvish, shout up, I love you, <laughs> um, decided one night to come out to me. And it was that moment of intense vulnerability that Ryan undertook that gave me the opportunity to even fathom coming back out to him, um, which I did and which was beautiful. And mm-hmm. I was 22 years old at the time. And briefly, like, so began a journey of seven years of picking and choosing who I was going to come out to mm-hmm. and who might accept me. And it was, you know, through my time in DC and my time in Israel, and. Eventually coming home, you know, and and at the time I lived in D.C., but it was Passover. I had come home for a visit. I had also recently quit a job, and I had this mindset that I'm going to come out to my parents, and if they take it well, then I'll move back to L.A. Mm-hmm. If they, you know, throw a fit, and you know, all the fears that I have had imagined come to life, then I continue to live outside of L.A. and build my life elsewhere. Um, and I was fortunate enough. That with a lot of support from friends and family, your mother included, (laughs) our moms are best friends, so that that colors the story, Um, that my parents took it fairly well, and it was six months after coming out to them that I said to my mother that with her blessing and with her stability and health in mind, Mm -hmm. that I want to make this my life's work. Um, Mm. to make sure that no one else has to feel the oppression and repression and darkness Mm -hmm. that so many lgbtq in particular iranians Mm -hmm. feel given the taboo nature of this conversation and that's what's brought me to this moment working with jq that stands for jewish queers and we have a whole division of our work while it is a organization that is informed by jewish values it is for everyone Mm -hmm. and we have a lot of different niche work and one of those niches that we serve is the iranian community and it's really changed the fabric of iranian life and and i think the conversation permanently about lgbtq iranian identity
0: that's such an amazing arc of a story you know <laughs> what I mean from where you were starting out and what you were kind of struggling with and now you're able to sort of impart that leadership into helping other people yeah. sort of navigate their sexual orientation and and desires and identity and all of that so I think that's amazing I'm wondering as I'm like hearing your story and it's so funny because I've never heard it like this and yeah. it's so it like so much compassion for you as you're kind of You were going through this and I'm wondering for you, like what made somebody feel like they were safe enough for you to open up to. Cause I know you had a process with who you were picking to come out to and why. Mm-hmm. And so right. how, like what was behind that decision making process for someone who is also maybe in the closet right now and thinking about coming out and not sure where to go. Because I think keeping this a secret and keeping the shame around it that comes with, you know, our community and right. um, you know, the expectation that everybody needs to be straight. Like, <laughs> You know, and which is just like fucking insane. Right, right. (laughs) Heteronormativity. (laughs) Yeah. So like what makes somebody feel like a like, you know, if someone's listening and they want to know, like, who should I be turning to or talking to? Because the shame of keeping this a secret and keeping it in the closet is just going to make it so much more difficult to live with. And I think part of diffusing it and coming out is beginning to identify these safe people.
1: I I first I want to thank you for just such a thoughtful question, because it's beautiful to be able to articulate what was safe for me and also how safety on the whole has changed in this conversation because of the existence of five years of work now, you know, in the community. Um, Mm -hmm. For me, when I was making the decision about who to come out to first, I have to be very frank that. The only reason I came out was because a Persian Jewish gay man mm-hmm. came out to me first mm-hmm. and the vulnerability, the risk that he took in that moment to tell someone and to recognize that I then held information that was, you know, so important to his life. And I was meant to kept, keep that secret. One of the biggest things that we seek, I think, whether it's LGBTQ identity or other parts of ourselves is who can we talk to in our lives as Iranians that are other members of our community that we can trust without a shred of a doubt will completely and utterly keep that information safe for us. And Mm -hmm. so for me, the first example of that moment was another person who completely reflected pretty much all parts of my identity, Mm -hmm. like another Persian Jewish gay guy from Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. But, but coming off of that, one thing that helped was distance from my home community you know I was so easily able to come out to the people that were in my master's program in Israel because they had no concept of who Aria was so that they would then be having to shape shift like sort of understand me differently Mm -hmm. so that distance from the people I grew up with allowed me to really just embody the most authentic self without any sort of adjustment period, which was really powerful. And then the next biggest thing, I think, was really just looking for the cues. I think all of us as LGBTQ people we search for cues from people in our life that suggest that they might be inclusive. Mm. That is to say, are they liking or loving posts about something queer, you know, or Mm. LGBTQ? Do they say certain things at certain times? Like I certainly remember Shabbat dinners at home when Prop 8 was happening in California and people were like voting for marriage equality or against marriage equality and hearing people around me say anti-LGBTQ things and checking them off as like the, okay, mm-hmm. not you, not you, not <laughs> you. <laughs> you know, like, so you, you, when you have a secret to, on, on, you know, uh, to reveal, you're sort of looking and you're listening with mm-hmm. a different uh, filter, I guess, mm-hmm. for when someone either shares the level of inclusion or shares their depth of homophobia, or even just like bigotry, you know, sort mm-hmm. of like, Unwarranted hatred for for all the reasons that we have that in our lives. So I would say, I guess, for an LGBTQ person today that's looking, though, one thing that's really special is there is this incredible community of activists and lay leaders that are waiting to be recipients of that information, mm-hmm. to nurture you in that moment, to support you with full confidence. That's beautiful. Certainly, myself included, but also now. Three cohorts of Persian Pride fellows have gone through this like year-long activism training. The third cohort is wrapping up now. And our goal, there's about 30 of us now, is essentially to be advocates and to be community organizers for others like ourselves so that no one has to suffer like we did. Mm-hmm. And there is this net. you know, What we didn't have when I was 12 exists today. And I hope no one else ever feels that sense of it just is not going to happen for me. It never can and it never will, even though I, I know. that. Yeah.
0: I feel that. I feel like that's part of why I started Chaya with Farah and Dorsa. Right. like, Often, I think many of us, are in this community are feeling and we've talked about this before are feeling closeted about one part of themselves or another because there are so many rules and formulas for happiness in this community oh yeah and so whether it's your career or who you're dating or dating outside the faith or in the faith but not persian or (laughs) you know what i mean (laughs) any Um, combination of mental health stuff you know anything, divorce, like all of these stigmatized topics create this sense of shame and the sense of secrecy and being in the closet in one way or another. Right. And so I think part of what I wanted to start when we started Chaya was a safe sp- space for people mm. to come out and really just talk about these things. So yeah. it's so important.
1: Love that. Yeah. It's been incredible it's so even watching it. Yeah.
0: Thank you. Okay. So my next question for you is, you know, you mentioned that you like got the opportunity to be able to move out of LA and mm-hmm. go sort of like experience freedom in other places. And same for me also. Right. I moved to New York and it was like so liberating and yeah. it was just like such a transitional period of my life. And I think for I'm wondering for people who are, you know, Jewish Iranian in LA and who don't necessarily have, you know, the ability to leave their parents home or are living with their parents right now during COVID and are in the closet and are kind right. of like managing this. What do you recommend for them?
1: Yeah, it's it's a great question. It makes me think, by the way, Nicole, sorry, it's like a bit tangential, but I I came up with this term, the queer exodus for basically all of us that were we have so many stories of us leaving home like picking mm-hmm. the college that was further away or taking yeah. the job that was further away yeah. but you're so right that it's not necessarily about lgbtq identity it's also just like if i if i live within a reputation based society and i have the option to leave somewhere where my behaviors are th- are not then affecting my long term reputation yeah. it's like a sense of freedom that so many of us want mm-hmm. um so i just i I'm naming the value proposition of like any of us doing that for the, for the, just the opportunity to exist outside of this the Iranian yeah. Jewish bubble, you know? 100%. And and I love the bubble and I love my community <laughs> so much. So I want to like emphasize that. Yeah, of course. But the value of being away from it just made me love it that much more when I was able to be back in it, but authentically.
0: Yeah, because you chose it instead of it kind of just Absolutely. being this unconscious existence in this exactly community. Exactly
1: that. Yeah. I think that right now, Well, it's interesting because in the COVID reality where, unfortunately, with my organization, with JQ, it was such a savior for so many people from teens to 80-year-olds where leaving the home and coming to a fully queer space where everyone is queer or, for that matter, everyone is identified as at minimum queer or ally – And I'd love to talk about allyship, that you walk into a space where all of a sudden you're not the minority and you get to be a part of the majority and not have to feel like, you know, you're the odd person out or that you need to adjust to this like heteronormative everything. Mm -hmm. And what's tough right now is that a lot of people are at home with families, siblings, parents, friends that either don't know or do know and don't accept them and want to just keep that conversation under wraps. So as an organization, what we've done to speak to that and to really try and support that is we've not only have we moved everything online, like all of our programs and services, and there's a huge array, jqinternational.org, check it out. But we've added a ton of different programs and services, and it's, it's poignant that you and I are talking today because last night the third cohort of Persian pride fellows established that we're going to start a support group in the month of October. It'll be three months long. It's going to be just eight to 10 people. It's fully free. It's fully confidential. It'll happen biweekly. And the goal is to be able to be that sort of safe space Mm -hmm. for someone who's on any part of their journey, whether it's like not even having come out yet or three to Mm -hmm. five years out of the closet and now in a different part of their struggle, there is, I, I would say to that person who's like struggling at home, Certainly, please feel free to reach out to me. I would love to be a liaison to a whole plethora of resources. And also, like, you know, I don't speak for the entire Iranian LGBTQ community. I would love to, like, direct a bisexual Persian to a bisexual, like, friend, a trans Mm -hmm. Persian or a non-binary Persian, you know, to the right resources so that it's not like a one-size-fits-all response to any single person on any part of their journey.
0: I was at Shabbat dinner with maybe seven or eight friends a couple weeks ago and the conversation came up of is there a difference between being straight versus gay versus bi? Like some people at the table were saying like, oh, these are three separate categories Mm. and like there's no fluidity or like there's no spectrum. And (laughs) some other people at the table were very much like, y'all are on crack. Like this is very much a spectrum. Right. And like most of us do sort of land in more of like a bisexual, like we can go either way and we can be attracted to men and women or whatever. So I actually wanted to know what your thoughts are on that.
1: There is so much evidence to suggest that the expression of sexual or romantic orientation and the expression of gender identity both fall on a spectrum that does have the capacity to fluctuate over the entirety of a person's lifetime. So it's interesting to start that we are already... By society standards, you have to establish, I am this, 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 or that. Mm-hmm. And then that's meant to be permanent. Mm-hmm. But people go 20, 30, 40, 50 years, and then eventually come across a person of the same sex, find some sort of an emotional or physical attraction, experience some sort of exchange, and know that person does not need to all of a sudden go back and say, but now I'm this versus that. If we mm-hmm. felt or if we accepted the reality that, these elements of ourself of of this this part of our human expression is on a spectrum over the arc of our lifetimes Mm -hmm. i don't think we would feel so required to say well what are you what box do you check and it's interesting i can say this for myself and i haven't said this often um in a public setting but i feel comfortable saying it that while i only have sexual attractions to men I do feel like I have had romantic attractions to women and I really mean like from a heart and soul and love place that it's something that feels more than friendship like the capacity to love a person and feel almost like well if there was a physical attraction here I would I feel like I would want to be with you like and and that's I've experienced that so. Does that make me bi-romantic and homosexual? Does that make me blank, blank, or blank? It just, it doesn't matter. So where it gets to the children and child rearing, I think that I will raise my children to understand that what you are seeking in your life is love. And it does not matter what package that love comes within. The body parts will figure themselves out. And the, you know what I mean? Like, I don't want them to feel the need to identify as this or as that in the sphere of orientation because i recognize that that can change and i really do want to mark the difference like because we use lgbtq all the time that there's a major difference between lg and b and then the t and that is that lesbian gay and bisexual are about your orientations like Mm -hmm. i love or i sleep with these are my romantic or physical sexual orientations Mm -hmm. t is not about that t is about gender identity T is about who am I? Trans identity, transgender identity, is about having been born and feeling like you were, you are in the wrong physical body and needing to transition to become oneself from a gender place. And that doesn't touch orientation. You can be trans and straight, trans and bi, trans and gay. You know. So I really want people to also just understand that differentiation, yeah, like, because yeah. um, it all gets grouped together. And and I do vehemently stand firmly with the idea that to love lgbtq people to believe in lgbtq equality one must fundamentally accept and understand transgender identity as a part not only as a part of that community but as some of the foundations of the entire movement for queer equality and queer rights or trans people of color and like I want our Iranian community to hear this and to like go back and look up the names Marsha P Johnson and Sylvia Rivera and like recognize in this moment about Black Lives Matter and Trans Lives Matter and so many movements for justice and equality from an LGBTQ perspective Black Trans Lives Matter matter as much like to this entire movement as anyone if not more from a foundational place
0: beautiful i love it i want to talk about allyship i want to talk about how someone in the persian jewish community or any collectivistic community or anyone period can be an ally to someone who is lgbtq plus and i don't even know if i'm saying this correctly like who is or who
1: identifies as or who 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 belongs to the lgbtq community yeah i think it's all um, I think it's all right. I, I would first and foremost mark the difference between a supporter of the LGBTQ community and an ally of the LGBTQ mm-hmm. community. A supporter being a non-LGBTQ individual who believes in the full equality of LGBTQ people, loves them the same, you know, maybe says it, certainly feels it on the inside, and that's where their support ends. And the mm-hmm. minute difference that can be small or enormous is the ally actually... To add to that takes actions Mm -hmm. to support, to make clear, to illustrate, to physically be present, to sign a petition when LGBTQ rights are being taken, to show up to a pride parade if that's in their comfort level, to show their support, to post about positive LGBTQ moments, or to Mm -hmm. celebrate, you know, National Coming Out Day, or, you know, to honor Transgender Day of Remembrance, which is a day that unfortunately is made to honor the lives of trans people lost each year. And wow. 2020 has been actually the bloodiest year in America's history on wow. record, I should say, because I'm sure there was worse, but for, for trans people and in particularly black trans women. So allies take action. So this question of like, what can allies do is one, like the the whole arena of educating oneself and We do a lot of this work. JQs, one of our entire suites of services is inclusion and allyship training. And it can be from four people to 40 people to 400 people. And we work with either the family unit and a Jewish institution and organization to help train people to be uh, first understanding of and then caring and nurturing of the needs of LGBTQ people. So learn, you know, Mm -hmm. self-teach and also please reach out to us for us to be in that work with you. I'd say ask LGBTQ people if they are close to you, if you feel, you know, open to it and, and you feel like they would be open to you, ask them about their stories, ask them about their struggles, like ask to learn about LGBTQ life from the individual stories of LGBTQ people you know, because that's different from what a TV show might portray or a movie or a book. And those other things are also great, but I just want I want to center the human so get
0: curious about individual stories of people that might be yeah, either in your circles or close to someone in your circles.
1: Totally. Yeah. And I mean, I guess there are so many queer activists that have wrote biographies and that tell their stories. So there's like mm-hmm. so much of that. And then I think it for, for those that are capable, for those that I don't want to push this on anyone, and I'm not suggesting that everyone should be an ally. Some people have to stop at support. And that's where or, I mean. Some people don't even support. So let's also mark that difference. But for some people, believing it, knowing it, that's sufficient for them. And we thank you. And we thank you for believing and loving us equally. For the allies, I think sometimes people think that allyship means it has to be at the Pride Parade. But allyship to me as a queer person means posting an article about a... Gay couple getting a surrogate baby and like that Mm -hmm. finally happening and showing, like, wow, how be like celebrating queer, queer lives and queer wins, you know? Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be like, it doesn't have to be so in your face, is what I'm getting at. Mm -hmm. And I think. Yeah, so those those public displays, I think anything that you put in the social media space that is positive about LGBTQ life sends a direct message to anyone that's in your life that's LGBTQ. Mm-hmm. And I want to say to everyone who's listening, there are people in your lives that are LGBTQ that you do not know are LGBTQ yet. Like, period, end of sentence. Mm-hmm. Nicole in yours, me, myself. Like, I could be the most out person on the planet and it doesn't make a certain person more likely to come out to me just because I've given them a perfect... So I just want people to recognize there are queer people in your midst and they are also listening to us to hear how we speak about love, how we speak about mm-hmm. partnership. Beautiful. Um, and, and let's be cognizant of that and try and use inclusive language. When you talk to a 15-year-old or a 17, 18-year-old going to prom... Mm-hmm. Or about their boyfriends or girlfriends, as, as opposed to asking a girl, are there any boys you like? Or a boy, are there mm-hmm. any girls you like? What if you asked, is there anyone you're interested in at school? Mm-hmm. You know, like keeping things in an open vocabulary that allow a person to share as authentically about themselves as they're ready that? to, you know?
0: Yeah, that's amazing. My last sort of question for you is, as you know, in our Jewish running <laughs> community, there are so many rules and formulas all meant to you know, be given to us with the intention of keeping us safe and sure. us to have a fulfilling and happy life. And obviously, this is not a one-fits-all situation. <laughs> right, <laughs> so my question for you is, what's one rule that you've sort of broken and what did you gain or lose from breaking that rule?
1: I love, love that question. I think the, the biggest one that I broke was real radical vulnerability. The day that I posted a Facebook video coming out, was the day I I was really able to say I know what the rules are I get how y'all run, and it ain't for me and like I would rather go this route like it's there's this, some Persian saying about like you don't write your you don't write a book about like something like essentially like you don't open your diary to the public so like keep your private private and let you know public mm-hmm. be public, but I took my private to the public you know in that in that <laughs> my privates to the public <laughs> that's so. That's what Mix she said. that. yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, so yes, it was it was this radical vulnerability. It was this moment of like audaciousness of just like, I want to say it. I want you to hear it. I want you to face it. And it it definitely was not you know, sort of typical of our community, but it has been the greatest, first of all, it stands as the greatest day of my life, that mm-hmm. single day, even that like moment of clicking, submit or whatever post. And, and then it's invited the whole, like the rest of my life was dependent on that moment, you know, to Mm -hmm. just show the world who I really am in a way that was unapologetic and invite the world in, you know, and I think it's just, it's been beautiful. It has not been without challenges And I certainly got a decent amount of backlash. And to this day, I get backlash from people about my level of openness and outness. And by the way, I'm still not showing y'all everything. There's plenty plenty (laughs) more behind these scenes for what you might see in three or five years. But, yeah, exactly. But I just want to say, yeah, that breaking that rule of, of, you know, keep the vulnerable on the inside and show everybody your, your most glossy side of life. It's, it's invited the best parts of existence for me and I want to continue doing it. I think I invite anyone who feels that power to embrace the moment and yeah.
0: Beautiful. Thank you so much for all of this amazing wisdom and for having the courage to come out and be not just come out, but just be such a leader and such a hero. And I'm so grateful for you. I'm so honored to call you my friend and I love you so much. I'm curious to know how the listeners can get more of you.
1: Yeah. I just have to start by saying, I mean, you as an individual, Nicole, like much love and (laughs) gratitude for your soul and, and what you've been able to build with Chaya, this level of, again, unapologetic authenticity has been incredible, and every space that I've been in with Chaya has just been one of the most open, non-judgmental, like enriched community spaces I've ever seen. So thank, thank you, you all for creating these opportunities, and to anyone who wants to get in touch, you can find me on Facebook. It's Aria Marvazi, and on Instagram I am at instafame, and you can also um, email me on my JQ email. That's a Marvazi at jqinternational.org and Marvazi is M-A-R-V-A-Z-Y. I would absolutely love to hear from you. Social media works even better than emails, but (laughs) yeah, be in touch. And I I certainly hope to hear from some of our listeners. Thank you so much again, Nicole. Thank
0: you.